this is Steve. This podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. In this series, we're talking about standing for your family. In our culture, it seems like the message is you don't have the authority to stand for your family. But in today's very special message, our youth pastor, Stephen Mansell, shows us through Nehemiah's story where your authority to stand for your family comes from. Well, good morning once again. So glad that you guys are here. Um, It is Steve's sabbatical week. So I get to preach, and it's my first time to preach here at the Orchard. I have to admit, I'm excited, anxious, and worried for you guys. Uh, I did not tell this to the 9 o'clock group, but honestly, the last time that I got to preach for the first time in a church, I preached on diarrhea. And it is Mother's Day, so how fitting to talk about dirty diapers. I'm just kidding. We won't be talking about dirty diapers on Mother's Day. Uh, But no no lie, I did talk about diarrhea the first time I preached at my last church. And we won't be talking about that this morning. But we are talking about family. And Steve last week set up this, this series of Standing for Your Family, talking about how God has a big vision for your family. God has a big vision for your family. It is indeed your life's great work to build your house, to build your children and your family, your spouse for the Lord. And I'm so excited that I get to try to follow in that same idea because the truth is I'm not a parent. And that's hard for me sometimes to stand up here and talk about building a family when Miranda and I are trying to even figure out what that looks like, right? Now, I realize as, as someone who doesn't have kids, it's hard to talk about parenting. Um, so be aware that today, I'm not gonna tell you how to parent. I'm forewarning, not telling you how to parent this morning, but I wanna talk about the authority by which you parent this morning um, because I do believe that God's word is clear on that. And so we're going to be looking at that here in just a bit. But I realize that even now, as I say that, you parents in the room, you know it's hard, right? It is hard to parent. I have two Great Dane dogs, and they are plenty handful enough. And they're not nearly as insolent and disobedient as some of y'all's kids. (laughs) Just going to put it out there. I love my dogs, and sometimes they don't listen. And I guarantee it is a handful when you have a 110-pound dog not listening to you. When you multiply that with kids that talk back at the same time as not listening to you, it's a whole other degree of difficulty in keeping your composure and being a good parent. And so I empathize with you as best I can. I look forward to the day when I fully understand what it means to be a parent. But this morning, as we talk about building our family, when we left off in Nehemiah 1, Nehemiah was praying in repentance and he was praying for God to do something, to rebuild his home. And I'm hoping this morning that as you're here, that's your heart. God, build my home. Maybe you're here this morning and you're taking inventory and you're going, my home looks pretty good. 
You know, my, my walls are still standing. There's some minor patchwork here and there, but we've got a pretty good home. But there may be others of you who are here today, and if we're honest this morning, maybe your home is in ruins, just like Nehemiah's home. And you're needing a word from the Lord. You're needing encouragement this morning. You're needing help this morning. I pray that God's word can bless you in that because I believe wholeheartedly as we look at Nehemiah together that God can help, that our king can give us instruction and provision and allow us to go and do the work that he's entrusted us to do. So if you have a copy of God's word, if you would turn to Nehemiah chapter two, Nehemiah chapter two is where we're gonna be hanging out this morning. And I just wanna be real as we start. When Nehemiah is praying, like it burdens my heart that I'm not better at that. Like I'm just gonna be real and say that while I pray and I try to pray regularly, not just like once a day or before meal, I try to pray like the Bible teaches, pray without ceasing, right? to pray all the time throughout the day. And I'm bad at that. I just am. It's just it's something that God is continuing to work on me in. But I'm also really bad at persistent prayer. You know what I mean? Like when you pray something, oftentimes I'm like, okay, God, you know it. So I've prayed it and then I'm just done with it. And I will tell you guys, in the last four months, I have prayed more persistently than I ever have in my life. Just because I'm trying to build a home for our family. And now I'm really beginning to understand what it means to pray in that way. You see, Nehemiah, when he got the news that, that Jerusalem and Judah was in shambles, he began praying. And he prayed for four months before we see what happens in Nehemiah chapter two. And so if you're here this morning and you're looking at your family and you're going, God, I'm praying and I'm not seeing you show up yet. God, I'm praying and I'm not seeing you show up yet. Persist. Remain in that prayer because God hears you, God sees you, and he's gonna answer. So let's take a look at Nehemiah chapter two, verses one through three, because this is what happens as a result of Nehemiah praying and praying. So the writer puts in Nehemiah verse one, two, chapter two, verse one, early in the following spring, in the excuse me, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of the king Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine and never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And then I was terrified. He was terrified. In this moment, he is nervous to share with the king what's going on in his home to bear with the king, hey, this is what's burdening my heart and my life. But he goes ahead and he shares in verse three. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The gates have been destroyed by fire. I love that we sang this morning, there's another in the fire, because honestly, sometimes our families, they feel like that. They feel like we're going through fire. 
It is a true test of perseverance, sometimes dealing with families. I can be the first one to get in line and say, it's hard. My family was not easy, was not perfect. When I was growing up, it was difficult. And it still is, even as an adult. And so I know many of you are feeling like maybe your families are struggling. And I love that in this moment, Nehemiah, when he comes to the king, he's trying not to burden the king, right? As the cup bearer, he is trying his best to just do his duties, to serve the king. Now, I don't want to confuse you. The cupbearer is not just some Joe off the streets. He is not just some random guy tasked as a servant in the king's household. No, Nehemiah has proven himself a man of character. You want to know how I know this? Think about what the wine bearer, the cupbearer had to do. He had to test the food before it came to the king. He had to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Do you want a sketchy, untrustworthy character making sure to test your food before you eat it? Nehemiah was somebody who had proven himself a man of character, a man of integrity. He had been trustworthy. And so in this moment, he comes before the king and he is trying to do what he has always done and serve. But it's clear his heart is troubled and it's broken over his home that lies in ruin. And so the first blank on your page this morning, as we look at this together, I want to remind us, as we talk about prayer initially, we need to come with humility before the king. You see, Nehemiah, when he comes and serves before the king, he did not do so flippantly. He did not do so casually. I love that our God is accessible. I love that our Father in heaven is relational and he invites me in, but our God is not common. And we do a great disservice to him if we think he is or treat him as such. When we come before the king, we come with humility. In the case of Nehemiah, he is burdened by the brokenness of his home and he is terrified to share with the king but he does so, and he does so with humility. Parents, it's okay to acknowledge this morning that you don't have all the answers. I'm just gonna tell you, it's okay to admit this morning you don't have all the answers. You're not gonna always get it right. You're not gonna always say exactly the right thing, punish in the right way. Do what you need to do as a parent. We're gonna fall short. But the good news is, is we can come to the king with humility when there's things that are on our hearts. You know, in Proverbs 1, it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. If we want to know how to be better parents, we come with humility to God. If we want to grow in how to be a better model for our kids, learning how to deal with them, each of them individually and who they are, we come to the God with humility and ask the king and share with the king what's going on with our families. And so it begins with prayer. And I know one thing about prayer is, is that I oftentimes spend a lot of my prayer asking for things. You, when you pray, are you, are you asking God for stuff? Because I'll be honest, 
There's lots of parts to prayer. There's confession. There's thanksgiving. There's praise. But there's also times where you're, you're asking God for stuff. You're petitioning him. And so the second blank on your page this morning, you can make your request with honesty to the king. You can be honest with God about where you're at. Let's go back to Nehemiah, verses four through eight. So this is what he writes. The king asked, well, how can I help you? Isn't that a great question? And that's so reassuring for Nehemiah. Nehemiah is just bared, hey, here's my problem. Here's what's going on. And the king doesn't say, okay, and move on about his business. How can I help you? I love that our God wants to help us. So with a prayer, again, Nehemiah is still praying, even in this moment. He didn't go home and think about it and pray. In this moment, he sees the opportunity, so he prays and then responds. I replied, if it pleased the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And he continues, the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, well, how long will you be gone? And when will you return? So after I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. And then just a little bit further, I also said to the king, if it pleased the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories and on my way to Judah. Now, what does all this have to do with building your family? Here's the deal. When we make our request with honesty to the king, we can admit our failures as parents. We can admit our shortcomings. We can admit our lack of knowledge, our lack of experience, whatever it may be, it's okay to come to God and acknowledge, hey God, I'm struggling with this. But if we wanna build our house, then we need to get to a place of honesty where we admit that. There are times where even I, as a youth pastor, I have to admit, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how you're gonna answer or how you're gonna show up in this way, but I acknowledge my weakness. I accept my debility. The fact that I can't control things and I need you to come and help. If you're a parent here this morning, I know you need help. I think we all do. I think we all need help. And so accepting that and coming to God in honesty and inviting him in, recognizing our dependence on the king. What's neat about Nehemiah is when he makes his request, the man who was terrified to even bring it up all of a sudden gets really bold in what he asks of the king. Did you notice that? If it, if it pleased the king, let me go. Okay, think about this. In Persian Empire, nobody just makes a request of the king. And further, if you're the king's servant, one of his most trusted servants, you're not asking for time off. Certainly not the time necessary to go and to rebuild your hometown. 
And yet that's what Nehemiah did. He was honest and bold and even had a plan. Did you notice that? The king's like, well, how long, how long are you going to be gone? And Nehemiah laid it all out there for him. Now, I admit, parents, you probably don't have the whole plan figured out of how you're going to raise your kids. You may not have every detail and 10-year plan and 15-year plan figured out. That's okay. I don't think God's word is telling us that we have to do that this morning, but I think we do need to take action. I do think we need to take action. It's not just about accepting our weakness or acknowledging our dependence on him, but then it's about going in diligence, going and accepting the role that he has given us to build our homes. You see, because the third blank on your page this morning is that we need to embrace, embrace our responsibility, responsibility to the kingdom. Now, here's why I focus on that this morning. You see, Nehemiah saw Judah in ruins. And he didn't make excuses or make it somebody else's problem. Think about that. Nehemiah, he's a cupbearer. He's not a contractor. He's not a builder by trade. He, he doesn't know how to build a city, but he sees a problem. And he recognizes God's call on his life. And so he jumps in and he serves. He takes action. He takes responsibility. It wasn't somebody else's problem to deal with. I'm gonna be honest for a minute. I think in today's world, we've got a lot of parents who make the choice that it's somebody else's responsibility to raise their kids. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that our school systems are there to raise your kids. The Bible doesn't teach that the government is there to raise your kids. And even scarier, the Bible does not teach that the church is there just to raise your kids. We, our responsibility to build our home, to teach our children. Nehemiah says, I see that my home needs to be rebuilt. And so I'm gonna go because it's my responsibility. Parents, hear me this morning. Some of you, I know you're doing this there may be some who are struggling with this. It's our responsibility to train up and disciple our kids. You have to discipline them. You have to create the boundaries for them. Have you ever noticed that the root of discipline is disciple? If you're trying to build disciples in your home, you got to discipline them. You got to raise them. You got to teach them. Now, a disciple, that's somebody who's being equipped, right? It's a student who's being trained. Sometimes correction comes with training. Those of you in the workplace, have you ever been corrected on your job before? Surely. You've had training. Somebody said, hey, you're doing this wrong. Let me show you how to do it right. Or maybe let me show you how to do it better, more efficiently. We welcome that correction. And parents in the room this morning, God wants to help you 
train your children. God wants to help you teach, to raise your home, to build it up, but you gotta take responsibility. Now, this is not just a thought that Nehemiah had. We see this all throughout scripture. In fact, in Deuteronomy, we see it multiple times. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 18 through 21, it says this, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. So as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Teach your children. Now, what you may not realize is the reason that Nehemiah's home is in ruin right now in this passage. The reason why there was destruction and exile for Nehemiah and for the Jews was because they forgot to do that. They forgot to teach the children. They forgot to raise disciples in the home. And as a result, the people had lost sight of God the Father. And so God had let them go into exile to remind them of his faithfulness. Sometimes, sometimes our families go through fire and trials because God's trying to remind us to turn our attention to him. And what's neat is, is when we sing songs like there's another in the fire, we're reminded that his goodness is always there and he's in the fire with us. As you deal with the struggle and the strife going on in your family, God the Father is right there with you. And he's saying, how can I help? And waiting for you to acknowledge dependence on him and accept responsibility that you need to do something about it. And so parents, this morning, as we talk about a challenge, I realize there are some people in this room who you're like, well, we don't have kids. What about us? What about those that are empty nesters or those that, that never had kids? What do we, you can be spiritual parents for some people. The Bible talks about how older men and older women teaching younger men and younger women, they don't have to be biological kids for you to be building a home for somebody. But especially for you parents, it is your responsibility. And it's not just because Deuteronomy says so or just because Nehemiah says so. Check this out in Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verses four through seven. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. And he commanded our ancestors to teach their own children. Excuse me, to teach their children. So the next will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Parents, here's the idea. 
not only are you training your children for your family, you're training your children to be parents for their children. The legacy of you parenting carries on generation to generation, each and every one of us. The good news for you and I is we have a king who's willing to help us, but we have to take that responsibility to say, hey, I'm going to be in charge of my household and I'm going to teach my children. Because if we don't, they'll lose sight of it. Because they're not going to know how God has been faithful to you if you don't tell them. That's why Israel was where they were at. Generations forgot to tell the next generation. And pretty soon they forgot to focus on God and to worship God alone, and they fell into disrepair. And so if you want your family to be built on the solid foundation, if you want it to be built on the rock and be standing for God, then we have to tell our children about God's faithfulness and how he has worked throughout the ages. One more passage I would point out later on in Nehemiah chapter three, verse 28, Nehemiah writes, above the horse gate, the priest repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Immediately across from his own house. If you want a motivation to build your home, take inventory of the fact that the people who are closest to you, that you love the most, that's who's benefiting from you building your house. Nehemiah wanted to encourage the people, engage them in the work of building. And what did he do? Okay, then you build the wall right where you're at. Don't worry about right now the person to the next of you. You focus on the, the wall right where you are. In fact, six times, six times in Nehemiah chapter three, it talks about building the wall right there next to their house. In fact, we can pull them up. That, Jedediah, Benjamin, Azariah, as I read the priests in verse 28, Zadok, and Meshulam. Now, I share these names specifically because if you take a look at what their names mean, he calls on God, the right hand of God, helped by God, justice, devoted. These are things we would want for our home, right? We want our home to be recognized as places of devotion and justice, and dependent upon God. These men built right where their homes were at. They took seriously the responsibility of building and protecting their family and raising their family to walk in the ways of the Lord. This morning, it's not the person sitting next to you's job, unless they're your husband or your wife, but it's not the person down the road from you. It's not the teachers at the schools. It's not even the youth pastor's job. It's your job to build your home. And I know that's shaky foundation because some of us, we've gotten comfortable with that, about letting other people, more smart people, people who know what they're doing, maybe experienced people, raise our kids, teach our kids, train our kids. You can ask for help. That's what the church is there for. And even in Nehemiah, when Nehemiah says, hey, if you're struggling, if you're under attack, put out a call and we will rally to you. That's what the church is meant to always be. Support for you at home. But it starts first right where you're at in the home. 
husbands and wives. For all the men, for all the people, it is for you guys to step in and to take on that responsibility. The next blank on your page. We lead by the authority of the king. We lead by the authority of the king. As we acknowledge our responsibility, acknowledge your role as the parent in the house. You are the parent. You are the authority, not the child. Too many families are being torn apart because the kids are ruling the home. Just going to be honest. Too many times the kids are the ones that are being the authority in the home. And this is a challenge, a call for you as parents to rise up and lead by the authority. Now, here's the reason why I can say that. Nehemiah was not a special guy, but he had the authority of the king going with him. When he goes to rebuild Judah, it's not because his say so, it's because the authority of the king went with him. As you parent your children, it's not because there's just something special or great about you as a mom or a dad. I love each and every one of you. There are some that I don't know. I would love to get to know you. And I know it's really sad to say, but there's not necessarily something special about you as a parent that God chose you. But he has given you authority over your home because he entrusted you with your children. And that's something we shouldn't take lightly. That's not a job that he would just give to anybody, but he is giving it to you. The very first command that God gives to man in the garden was to be a steward over the garden. Have you ever thought about how God has given you stewardship over your children? If we acknowledge they belong to him, our king, he's just entrusted them to us for a little while to raise them, to disciple them, to ultimately build your family. So recognize the responsibility and lead with the authority God has given you as a steward over your kids. Don't let your kids be the ones telling you what to do. But let me clarify. I think a lot of times we hear the word authority and we think that that's a power thing or a control thing. Don't you, when you hear authority, you think someone who's got a lot of clout, a lot of status. You see, when I think of authority, I think of servant. When I think of the police, they're servants. They're my authorities, they tell me what to do, but they're ultimately serving me. The lawmakers, the politicians, the people who are in uh, making the laws and making all sorts of decisions. They're public servants who should be serving the community. That's our authorities, right? Moms, dads, listen to me for a second. If you're the authority in your home that is not giving you a privilege to be in power, that is giving you a privilege to serve. And I want you to be servants to your kids. That's not giving them the authority to take control. That's you saying, I am gonna lay myself down for my family. 
And that's what these people did in Nehemiah when he is talking about going and building. These people that built the wall right next to the house, they were day in, day out, looking to serve their family, protect their families. If you want to build your house, acknowledge that God has given you that authority and it's God-given. It's God-given to you. Nobody else gave you the authority to be a parent. God has given that to you. So don't give it to somebody else. Don't give it to the state. Don't give it to the schools. Don't give it to somebody else. God has entrusted you with the authority to be a parent in your own home. Parenting is not about ultimately teaching right behavior. Let me say it again. Parenting is not ultimately about teaching right behavior. It's about facilitating right relationship. Now, here's what I mean by that. You as the authorities in the room, if you are a parent or a grandparent, when you teach your children about your authority, you are helping them also understand the authorities in the world. If my kids don't respect me as an authority in my home, how are they going to respect somebody else's authority over them? More importantly, if they don't respect me as a human, heaven, an earthly father, then how do I expect them to honor a heavenly authority? You as parents, when you set the role as the authority in the room and the authority as the house, you're helping them to understand their right relationship, not only to you, but also to all authorities in their world. So what kind of authority are you being? What kind of example in the right relationship are you having with your kids? Because it's not about a list of do's and don'ts. Let's be honest, we can behavior modify all we want to at the end of the day. What's gonna matter most is do our kids learn how to love the Lord? And we do that by teaching them, modeling for them what that relationship looks like. So one final blank on your page as we wrap up. So we've had kind of the, the focus on prayer. We've had this challenge as parents to take on the responsibility and lead by authority. And now there's a faithfulness to duty that gratifies the king. I wanted to end on this thought, the faithfulness to the duty that gratifies the king, what's great about this Nehemiah 2 passage is that when Nehemiah makes his request, did you notice it said it pleased the king to serve? It pleased the king. And then it took it a step further when it said that God's hand was on Nehemiah and that's why it pleased the king. As you serve, as you take on the responsibility of being the authorities in your home, parents. It pleases God. It honors our Father in heaven when we're good parents, when we're building our house. And I don't know about you, but I love it when I can please my Father. Men in the room, man, there's no greater feeling than to know when I did something right and my Father was proud of me, right? Right? Ladies, same thing. 
When you did something right, wasn't it great to have that affirmation from that parent to say you did a great job? It gratified them to see you excel. God is looking to build your families, to build your homes. And if you do so, if you answer the call and you do live out your calling as the authority in your home and take on that responsibility, it says it brings gratification, satisfaction to our Lord in heaven. And so my challenge for us today, be those authorities. I know authority is sometimes a bad word in our homes. It's okay. God is all about recognizing right relationship, us to him and us to one another. So help bring that order into your homes. Be the authorities that God has entrusted you to be. And you will see that God will be honored in that. And your, your children will be grateful for it as well.